The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Good morning, Scott. Good morning, Mitch. Good morning, Scott. So I guess the big news this week is obviously interest rates. They were predicting it could go as high as uh, 0.75. It went up a half a point. What are your thoughts? Uh, certainly lots of chatter about this. Yeah, it was. Uh, that was a little surprising. Uh, the majority of people, again, thought it was going to be a three-quarter percent increase. And, uh, you know, Anytime there's less of an increase in interest rate hike, it's like, oh, wow, markets actually like that. And so the Canadian market, uh, stock market, that is, uh, went up. And I guess it's um, they're hoping that we are kind of curbing the back of this inflation issue we have. And, you know, and, you know, it is a massive issue. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show, the kind of impact it can make on 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 people's uh, you know retirement. So. I remember when this discussion started, there was uh, temporary, uh, transitory. There's all these sorts of, uh, of um, you know, uh, words that came out to describe that it wasn't going to be short, if at all. Now they're talking that, you know, I think we might be over the worst of this. But can you predict that sort of stuff? Could this last for a while? It's just some of the indicators. Some of them are softening. You know, there's uh, certain areas of employment haven't done as well. Profits haven't been as high in certain companies, you know, depending what sector you're in. So it's starting to show some weakness. Uh, real estate, we've all seen what's happened on that side. So, yes, it has made an impact. And whether, you know, where the end is, we're hoping it's sooner than later mm. because, uh, you know, that's what's been the news all year. And it was kind of like that, oh, geez, uh, moment where, uh, like, we better do something about that. And that's when they increased uh uh, interest rates uh, at a very aggressive rate. So it's been uh, certainly the theme for 2022. And we hopefully put that behind us for 2023. Are you getting a lot of calls from clients on this? Uh, people that are worried? What's what's the feeling out there about this? I would suggest we're not or actually we're not getting hardly any calls about that. There's some calls about the markets um, dropping. We, both the bond markets and the stock markets were affected by increased interest rates, which again are there to combat inflation. But uh, yeah, most of our clients have been, you know, been talked to many times over the years about the ups and downs of markets. And there's always a new theme of why the market's down and why it won't recover as quickly this time. And there's always some great press on all these things. Generally speaking, it never seems to work out the way the press puts it out. But bad news sells. And, and this is always a selling feature about markets. Nobody loves to see their statements negative. I'll be the first to admit that. And after 37 years, I never like seeing negative years either. But about one in five are negative. And that's just the way uh, markets work. So uh, we're getting, uh, we heard late last week, uh, yesterday, Ottawa to present its fall economic statement, November 3rd, amid fears of a looming recession. How does that bounce off your shoulders? <laughs> well, recessions are just two negative quarters. I know we've talked about that. It's whether it's just a technical recession where it's simply like a quick, you know, we didn't grow for a couple quarters versus a long drawn out recession where all of a sudden employment hurts and you know people are laid off. You did see on Friday that the GDP for Canada actually did rise 0.1%. 
So, so right now there's slow growth, which, you know, that's, that's the definition of a soft landing. And that's the ideal situation. But again, talking about soft landings, Mitch, I know, uh, you know, we've had some ups and downs with clients in terms of their portfolios over the years. And what advice are, are you giving? Yeah, uh, 22 has been a rough year for many sectors and pretty much every index worldwide has been pretty deep in the red. But the market does go both ways. Uh, and so do investors' emotions. When the market was red hot the last God, countless years, it's been just skyrocketing for many years here. You have lots of clients who are being greedy and they want to buy all sorts of different sectors. Many uh, were the tech sectors and now this year you can see the tech companies just uh, really taking a beating. You can see Amazon this past week down 10% in one day. So big companies that no one thought could go down that much are really taking a beating. Facebook, another one. But uh, people are constantly seeing these negative articles, like you mentioned. Uh, news that couples with like everyone's statements. You said you don't like seeing all these negative statements, but um, there's still a lot of people who are they're sitting on the sidelines. And I find most people I talk to who don't have advisors, uh, they're the ones who are really sitting on the sidelines and they're just waiting for the for the quote unquote bottom, uh, like they know when the bottom's gonna be. They they all think that they they know more than anyone else. Um, they read the news and like you said about eight maybe eight out of 10 articles are negative. And so all they see are these negative articles and they think that there's, there's, it's not a bottom right now. So they're all sitting on the sidelines, just waiting and thinking that it's going to keep going down more and more. And it's almost like you, you keep getting bombarded with negative news articles and you're stuck in this area that you just, you're almost depressed and you think it's just going to keep going down and down but in reality, you should actually be taking a look at this, especially if you're young. I talk to a lot of young people and they're more so the ones who think that we're not at a bottom and they're going to wait. They're going to sit on the sideline and they know better. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> they're, they're young and this is a huge long term opportunity. You look at the, the Dow Jones right now, it's down 12 percent year to date. You look at the S&P, it's down about 20 percent year to date. And the Nasdaq down 31 percent. And yet people are still they're waiting. And at this point, it may not be a bottom. Things might keep uh, going down. But at this point, you should still be maybe dollar cost averaging into these because long term, it's it's great opportunity. You look at this and some people don't realize that the percentage down is not the same as the percentage up. So if the Dow Jones is down 11%, it takes 13% to get back to where it was. The S&P will take 25% to get back to where it was at the beginning of the year. And the NASDAQ, it's going to take 43% just to get back to where it was at the beginning of this year. And that's just huge opportunity for, for young investors. And there's still lots of people who are, they think they know better than everyone else. They're waiting and waiting. And at this point, it's actually greedy to be sitting on the sidelines versus, you know what, let's start putting some money in while things are down, um, putting it in there for long-term growth versus trying to wait until, okay, well, things get better. And now I'm going to get a home run play because um, oh, now the NASDAQ's down 38% versus 31. It, it could go down more, but it could also just, it can turn green very quickly. I'm not saying it will, but it could. I uh, think good things are happening right now. Yeah, a lot of good things are happening. And it's interesting if the market was up 10% right now, so basically more expensive, would they be waiting on the sidelines? Hmm. That's, that's a great question. I think people would actually be putting in more money, to be totally honest with you. 
uh, they see, oh, the market's going up and human emotion is that typically a lot of people, especially without advisors, they're a little greedy and they say, okay, well, it's going to keep going up. Things are, things are bad. Look at COVID for the last few years. People thought it was going to uh, keep going up forever and it's just, it's unsustainable. Uh, inflation obviously came into play this year and it seems like it's getting taken care of. It's either plateauing or going down in many countries. Canada, like you said, uh, they, they were expected to do a 75% basis hike and they, they did 50 basis points. The U.S. also said that their next hike, which will be next week, uh, November 2nd, I believe, will likely be their next high one. And then they may pause them or just start tapering them, doing lower interest rate hikes. So there, there are good things happening right now. And a lot of people don't realize that the market's actually forward projecting and forward looking. So a lot of this stuff is priced in. People don't always realize that. They think, okay, well, they're we're going to make this big announcement on November 2nd, the market's going to plummet and then I'm going to buy in then because it could be the last hike. Well, that's typically already priced in. And if they do what's expected, markets tend to actually rise on expected news versus if it's, if it's unexpected on the better side, like Canada, you mentioned the TSX actually went up because it, it did a 50 basis hike instead of a 75, the market actually, it reacted very well. And the, the market's been doing well the, this past week because of it. So like, like I mentioned, a great strategy to implement is dollar cost averaging. Just putting your excess cash flow into a diversified portfolio would be a good way to go. Um, there are no sectors that are going to perform extremely better at this point. Maybe long-term, you look at stuff that are down more as long as they're quality areas. Um, technology could rebound pretty well because it's down more, but that's... That's speculative. So just having a diversified portfolio between all sectors is the best thing to do at this point. Uh, I did when I was looking at material and I find this kind of funny. Uh, if you are waiting for a bottom indicator, I know my, my sister is going to love this, but she's cheering, for, <laughs> she's cheering for the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm not a big baseball person, but I saw multiple articles on this. Uh, the Phillies are typically they're a bottom indicator actually or, or recession indicator for the last century 1929 <laughs> they won 1980 they won and 2008 they won the world series so all the way back to 1929 they have been right before or in the middle of a big recession so i personally i'd rather see some positive returns so i told text my sister and told her i'm cheering for houston even though i have no horses in this race uh, the, the, blue, the, the blue jays are out i have no horse in this race but uh, i i i'd like to see some positive returns at this point you know mitch that's kind of like my wife picking a team based on the color of their uniform almost <laughs> yeah this is the financial planning version of that so but you're absolutely right mitch it's kind of interesting uh we're in the only business been doing it forever well before we even i even start with in this business if, if the prices are down, people run away. When the prices go up, people come over. And this is the only business that does it. If you, if you look at investments like gas pump prices, then all of a sudden, if there's a 25% drop in the price of gas, uh, and it, it, there'd be people lining up. And all of a sudden, if there's no prices are going up, they would run away. And we're in the exact opposite business. And I know Warren Buffett's always talked about this. It says stocks or socks. When they're on sale, I buy. 
<laughs> you know, it's funny. I think maybe because people think uh, one of uh, as accumulating something as opposed to another, which you're actually purchasing something. And, um, you know, it's amazing that people bicker over that top froth, as you used to call it, Don, as opposed to looking mm -hmm. at, you know, uh, long term. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox, Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at DonFox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905. 972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, Halloween weekend. Uh, you got 13 scary financial stats. Look at you go. And even in a costume today. <laughs> yeah nice tie but anyway <laughs> today don's dressed up as a financial advisor <laughs> which uh based on the markets might have been one of those outfits that, that might show up on on monday who knows <laughs> yeah it so, could be yeah so um yeah it's interesting you know october in general is always for a lot of people have said well it's a scary month it's it you know and you go back in time 1907 wasn't there at the time but there was a big bank panic at the time everybody remembers or has heard about the 1929 market crash and that created the great depression and then i was actually at this one october 19th 1987 was black monday and so october's got this reputation um probably not necessary to have this reputation as it turns out because it's got this bad reputation, but as it turns out, it's actually been known as a bear killer, meaning it has ended more bear markets, which are negative markets, than has been the start of them. So there's a lot of spooky statistics I got going today uh, with the Halloween theme. And some of them are American because they don't have a, as many polls often in Canada about these. But the first one, number one is 56 of Americans cannot afford $1,000. So they have an expense for $1,000. They cannot get the money for it. In fact, only two-thirds of Americans could come up with $400 cash without going into a line of credit or, or bank account or, or a credit card. In fact, 24% of consumers have no savings at all. So one in four. And so what ends up happening when you have no emergency fund is you end up using a line of credit. That would be your first choice if you happen to have that. And that's also the least expensive choice, particularly home, um, a home equity line of credit. And in fact, we've seen this many times over the years where people have been using them like, a, like an Insta-teller. Um, they're simply borrowing against the equity in their house. Um, then if, that starts, if they don't have that option, they've often gone to personal loans where they've consolidated debt, perhaps paid off credit cards, and they've got a loan, not for anything particular. It could have been lifestyle could have been trips. They just created debt. And once they use that option up, they've gone to cash advances on credit cards. And now we're talking about a 20% interest rate on those. And yeah, obviously, if you need a cash advance on a credit card, that is a huge sign you're in trouble. Now, the biggest probably pet peeve I have 
and it's because they're even more expensive than credit cards, is then you go to payday loans. And those, those interest rates are well into the 50 plus percentage if you actually worked it on an annual basis. You love so, the payday loan places, don't you? Oh, I don't even know how they're legal. Um, we actually, have, you know, you don't give me a start here, Scott. You know about, you know, my okay. feelings on that. But it's scary nonetheless. You know, it, it, you know, when you, you need to catch this early. And so the whole point is there should be some triggers that come to mind that once you get to this start and you see, well, my credit cards are maxed out or I just went and had to get a payday loan to make it through the week. Um, you need to do some major number crunching and change your lifestyle. It could have been a one-off, but if it's an ongoing basis, which we find is happening for a lot of those people that they're regulars. In fact, you know, you're getting one payday loan to pay off the old credit payday loan, you know you're in trouble. Um, in fact, number two is 30% of people do not pay their credit cards every month. 30%, so call it one in three. Now you think about that, that's a 20% interest rate at the, like one of the best ones is 20%. If you get into the department store types, they're about 30%. And so this is a, a big deal. In fact, if you had to break it down, Generation X have the highest credit card debt out of any of the groups. Their average credit card debt is $7,155. That's what they owe on their credit card. Wow. Followed by us, Scott, us boomers, 6043 is the average credit card debt. I'm not a boomer. I'm a teenager. <laughs> I do like that. And, uh, and then followed by millennials. And there you go, Mitch. You're right in that category. The average I feel owing, attacked now. <laughs> <laughs> the average amount owing on a credit card for millennials is $4,322. So if you look and say, well, a third of those people are not making, are not paying this every month. They have a, uh, they have a balance. So let's say you had a $6,000 balance on that credit card at 20%. You're paying $100 a month in just interest. That's a lot of money. You think, you know, think if you had a, if you every month had a parking ticket on your car for a hundred dollars every month, I'm sure you would go nuts. If for some reason we don't seem to have the same feeling about credit card debt. And that's the way I would look at it. I would look at this as no question. If you're having this issue, you need to. In fact, a lot of people don't even realize, and it was a fairly high percentage, somewhere around the 20%, why it's not a big deal just to pay the minimum payment on a credit card. And if you read the fine print somewhere in there, it's going to take 47 years to make the, to pay off that credit card. So those are scary stats. Uh, number three, 56% of workers in the U S say they do not expect to they expect to have less than $500,000 saved for retirement when they get to retirement. Now, that sounds not so scary at first. Okay. Oh, well, at least, you know, almost 60% are going to have around 500,000. Well, 500,000 is not a lot of money these days. If you are making 5% on 500,000, that is 25,000 a year. Now, it did say they expect to have less than 500,000, which means the most they'll have at 5% would be 25,000 a year. Poverty level is 25,000 a year. I know you can, at, at retirement, you'll get old age security. Canada pension plan, but, and with the longevity of, you know, people living into their eighties and nineties, 500,000 is not a good financial plan. So 
Number four, only 22% of Americans nearing retirement say they even have enough to retire. And so this has happened, this has been a big issue in both sides of the border, Canada and US. And the biggest reason is how we've gravitated towards defined contribution plans. Meaning we put money into something, the company might match it at work, or there may not be any plan and you're simply, you're self-employed, you're putting money into RSPs versus the defined benefit plan. And defined benefit plans are guaranteed money every month. Um, you know, you look at mainly it's government employees that have these now that are indexed, which is uh, right now indexing is a big deal with inflation rates hovering around 7% in Canada. So this is one of the biggest reasons why this has had an impact on retirement savings in Canada and U.S. So, Don, let me inter interject here and ask a question. So if you have one of those pensions where it is indexed, so it goes up with inflation, people who have that this year with inflation sitting around 7% are going to see quite an increase. Is that accurate? That is accurate. No, some are capped. Right. Okay. So some will say inflation less 2%. Right. So, so if those ones, well, when inflation was only 2%, they never had an increase. Right. Um, if inflation is seven percent, they'll have a five percent increase. Right. So that's okay. one way. Um, and some of these unions have you know, bargained for this. Right. Others have a different type of cap. They always go by the consumer price index every year. Right. To a maximum of say five percent. Right. Right. And so even if inflation got to ten, they're capped off at five. Right. Okay. Okay. So I there's two that. ways they could cap mm -hmm. that. Um, normally, it's not 100% full indexing, regardless mm -hmm. of what. And so, you know, something like our Canada Pension Plan is 100% um, geared in index with inflation. Right. As, as is um, our, our old age security. Right. So the fact that our old age security is paid by the government of Canada, which is basically coming from taxpayers. Okay. There's not a fund for old age security per se. Unlike Canada Pension Plan, we're all contributing into Canada Pension Plan. Mm -hmm. So there is an actual fund. It's managed money. You can see how important it is to keep inflation down. Yeah. Because all of a sudden, if there's a 7% increase in OAS payments, well, we are already have struggling with our OAS payments before this index. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been a hot topic of, well, there was a time not long ago, and then uh, we raised the limit to six, age 67. Yeah. And then we lowered it back to 65. And a lot of third, um, first world countries have been moving this uh, retirement age to collect their government pension because people are living so much longer. Hmm. So number five is 23% of Americans have a, um, have a written financial plan. Well, that leaves a lot of Americans that do not have a financial plan. Now, the Canadian side of that says, well, that's the Americans. We're doing far better than them. We are. 48% of Canadians have a financial plan. So again, you can turn those numbers the other way. 52% of Canadians do not have a financial plan. So, you know, if you fail to now, plan, you plan now, but, to fail. Now, by having a, a financial plan, does that mean they have a financial planner or they're just on track to save money some way? Well, that's a great question, Scott. And that leads me right into this whole idea. What exactly does that mean? And it's kind of interesting. 16% of Canadians work with, quote, unquote, a financial advisor. Well, what does that actually mean? Is that a bank advisor? Because they can call themselves financial advisors. They may know a little bit about you, put in a few numbers, and they can project something. Um, 
it turns out 8% are with an investment advisor. Okay. Well, that would be somebody, generally a, a broker of some sort that doesn't go necessarily through all the taxation, doesn't go through a whole uh, a holistic financial plan that includes budgeting and debt, estate retirement planning. They're usually just looking at the investment side. Only 4% of Canadians are working with a certified financial planner. 96% are not. So to me, that's scary. And this is where we've talked about CFPs many times on the show. And it's amazing if you actually go through a full holistic plan that goes through everything, as we talked about, people feel three times more confident that they will succeed in retirement. So it's, it's, it's almost a weight off their shoulders. Now, funny enough, number six is 44% of retirees say they, their expenses were higher than, higher than they expected. That contradicts everything that I hear a lot of people say, it's almost like a, to me, it's a rule of thumb, which I believe is wrong. Oh, you just spend less at retirement. Well, yeah, you spend less because you have less money. Um, it's not, not because you, you, know, so you have lots of time. So you have more time and never to spend money. So I think if it, it's based on your lifestyle, it's based on how much money you have. And, and if you're actually surprised that they're spending more, you obviously didn't have a plan and you didn't take into account inflation. Mm. Now, this was an interesting stat. Number seven, 51% of American adults have delayed at least one important life decision in the last year for a financial mm. reason. Now, this is up 20% from 2007. So they're putting off, say, a trip. They're putting off retirement. They're putting off something because of finances. Um, scary enough, we talked about inflation. Canada's inflation rate as of the end of September was 6.9%. U.S. is 83 and they want to get it to two. How important is this? Well, if you're retiring at 65, it would take it if at the current inflation rates, your expenses would double every 10 years in Canada. Versus if it was 2%, your expenses would double in 35 years. Well, think about this. If you're spending 5,000 a month right now at age 65, you would need 37,000 a month at 95 at the current inflation rate. That's how important this inflation is. That's why they, everything else has been put on the back burner. We got to conquer inflation. Now, mm -hmm. if it was 2%, by the time you hit age 95, it would be 9,000 a month. So that's a, that, that's a scary statistic. And yeah, that's Halloween worthy for sure. Uh, mortgage rates. Uh, definitely, we've seen mortgage rates go from 2% at the beginning year for a five-year mortgage to 5.5%. And so if you had a half a million dollar mortgage, and it's coming up for renewal, you used to be paying $2,115. You're going to be paying $3,056. Yikes. That's a $941 per month increase. And that's after tax money. And so there's a whole lot of people that may not find that they can afford that. And we couldn't go, you know, we wouldn't go through these 13 scary statistics if we didn't talk about the stock market. Mitch did a great job with that. Toronto stock market is down 9%. Um, US is down about 20 and the Nasdaq's down 30. Interesting enough though, a year later after the markets dropped 25%, the average increase has been 23% the following year. And so that's one reason to stick with the plan. Uh, number 11, bonds are down because interest rates are up. So you couldn't hide from this one. We've talked about this before. Stocks are down, bonds are down, and even your house is, is down. And that's number 12. And finally, I'd like to finish off number 13 with 
and I and I really and again, Scott, you appreciate this with a, a daughter in university. Forty-three percent of children do not have an RESP. Yeah. If I could give anybody, if, if, if I could give any advice to any new parents, start early, start early, start early, because it does not get easier. <laughs> Absolutely. And this is what planning does and is to avoid these scary, these scary stats. That's excellent. Do you have any candy? Come on, <laughs> Mitch, let's shake this guy down for some Kit Kat. Uh, we I are, hope he's the big chocolate bar house. <laughs> <laughs> we are. You must be the big chocolate bar house. Uh, we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, uh, Mitch, five myths about life insurance for the young. Hey, you're going to live forever. What do we need this stuff for? Yeah, that's a it's a common thing. Young people, twenties uh, and thirties, they don't really think that they actually need any coverage. And I want to go through the five myths of why they're not and why they should actually be getting it. So a very common thing that comes up with young people, and I'm talking mid twenties to late thirties, somewhere around there, is that most think that they're it's for older people and that they'll get it sometime because their parents had it and a lot of people don't realize that you know what they're they're getting old too and they're not going to stay young forever so they should probably start thinking about life insurance themselves and uh because they are getting to that age and some don't realize what it actually can cover so it's very easy to feel this way and lots of people feel invincible when they're young and healthy and um maybe they just got out of school and they just finished school and um they don't feel like they really should be considering life insurance. But I think that COVID's really proved that issues can really come out of nowhere uh, at any given time. No one expected to see a pandemic and it, it really is better to, to be safe than sorry. So many young people, they also carry student debt. School is very expensive and sometimes this can take many years to pay down. So if you have student debt, you should have life insurance to cover that. So the burden's not passed down to, to one of your loved ones, whether as family, or whoever it's going to be passed down to. So the first myth here is you don't need life insurance if you're young and healthy. And this is one of the biggest things holding people back from getting life insurance. No health issues and thinking is too early in their life to get life insurance. When in reality, this is when people should really be thinking about getting life insurance because it's, it's great to get in early because things can happen to your health. And then next thing you know, you can't get coverage or it's going to become more expensive. You can be diagnosed with anything really at any time and the premiums they're only going to get more expensive you're you're not going to have a cheaper more affordable insurance than when you're young so it's great to get those premiums low because if you do get a diagnosis maybe you're just not going to be able to get covered anymore by the time you are old and you think that okay maybe now i should have it so it's beneficial to get it early before all these complications really come into play the second myth here is stay-at-home parents don't need life insurance. Lots of younger people, uh, many are newly married couples. They don't have kids yet. 
And in most cases, they're both working. Uh, this would be the best time to get life insurance. It's going to be the most affordable because you're both working. So the premiums will be man more manageable with you both working at the time, having two incomes. Uh, then if you do decide to have kids older, which means the premiums may increase. So if you get it younger before you have kids, uh, it's better at that time because it's going to be more affordable when you're going to take on more expenses, uh, as well as when you may be a stay-at-home parent, you're going to have more expenses and you both might not be working. So the cost of replacing childcare as well, uh, the household duties. So if stay-at-home, is a, it's, an, it's a full-time job. You got to keep the house clean, take care of the kids, all sorts of costs there. And those need to be covered as well as with your insurance. So being a stay-at-home parent, it's a big job. And if you want to be taken care of, you should be getting that insurance, even if you are a stay-at-home parent. Uh, may not have an income to cover, but all those expenses need to be covered. So if the other parent, if something were to happen, those expenses are still covered. The myth three here, I am, I'm single. I don't need life insurance. Uh, that's a common myth. And if you are single, you don't want to leave any debts for your family to pay for. If something were to ha happen, you could be leaving behind student loans, as I mentioned before, car loans, a mortgage, credit card debt. I know Don just went through some, a bunch of credit card stats and uh, millennials right there. So millennials would be the young adults that I'm talking about, and they're carrying at least 4,000 in debt. And uh, that can be passed on and maybe it's just not affordable. So to have the life insurance to cover all these debts, even if you are single, uh, can be very beneficial, especially if you're single, you typically don't have too many expenses. So adding a, some sort of insurance policy to really just cover that, it's typically not that expensive for someone who's single and, and in the 20s and 30s. So it's small price to pay for some substantial coverage to prevent anything being passed down to your family if you, something were to happen. The fourth myth here is employer's life insurance. I know I have a lot of people I know, they, they get a job and the employer is giving them life insurance, but does it really cover everything? And is it going to be enough to cover them if something does happen? Uh, lots of people think that it, it, it's the one-all be-all. It's going to cover everything, but it's much better to have something in place uh, than nothing. So it is good to have that. And it's a great benefit, but many companies will offer one to three times an employee's base salary. And that may not be enough to pay for final expenses, outstanding debts, uh, a mortgage, uh, as well as any future income loss if you do have a family. So there are lots of things to consider here, not just, okay, I have life insurance, I'm all set. You should really have a financial advisor evaluating if there's enough insurance there. Uh, also employee policies, they're not, they're not always guaranteed. If a company goes through hard times, so the insurance benefit could be taken away. Um, and another big factor there is what if, what if you leave the company? So if we start at 30, you get that insurance and then at 40, you wanna leave. Uh, your insurance typically isn't going to be able to come with you. It's, it's with the company typically. So if you try to get insurance again at 40, it's going to be more, more expensive. You may not get as much coverage and, or you just may not qualify at that point because you were diagnosed for something. So it's better to have both policies just in case something does happen. If you want to leave or uh, it just doesn't cover enough, you don't know. The fifth myth here is life insurance is just too expensive. Many young people they don't know how insurance really works. They, some think it's like car insurance. If you're living healthy and you're eating well, your insurance might get cheaper, but that's definitely not the truth here. Um, if you're a good driver, your life insurance will go down over time, but life insurance, it's only gonna get more expensive because life insurance companies, they, they evaluate how big a risk you are. 
And if you're the older you get, the bigger risk you are from passing away and actually using that insurance. So getting it young and uh, having the cheapest possible uh, premiums is it's only going to get more expensive as time goes on. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net or you can call them at IG Private Wealth Management, 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right. uh, Celebrating the season and this weekend, um, the highest paid dead celebrities and here we go again Forbes has their <laughs> annual list now this ends this is between October 30th 2020 to October 30th 2021 so it's always a year behind so there's no current one as of Halloween I'm sure it'll be next month but hmm. for the Halloween weekend number 13 made 12 million dollars and that would be John Lennon really yes hmm. yes and uh Celebrating 50th anniversaries, of obviously the song Imagine. And even though a lot of uh, the Beatles' um, work was purchased by Michael Jackson, they're still paying off quite well to the, uh, to the estate. So $12 million, and he died in, uh, in 1980, December 8th. Mm-hmm. Number, number 12, Juice World. Uh, he made $15 million, or estate did. And uh, Gerard Higgins... Um, known by his Twitter followers more as Juice World, uh, was one of the top played musicians and has uh, done extremely well with his streaming. I'm not, no idea. I'm sure I might have heard one or two of his songs. Mitch, you, you've probably heard of him. I've definitely heard of him before, yes. Okay. I, thought, I thought you were talking about the place in the food court at the mall. <laughs> yeah, the smoothie place in the gym. Yeah. Well, this is more our era, Scott, and the most famous Jamaican. Uh, Bob Marley. You got it. You got it. Number 11, who made $16 million and still has his image on so many things. Obviously, um, streaming through some of his favorite songs. We all like, is this love, jamming? It it consistently streaming his songs about 1 billion times a year in the U.S. Hmm. And he's also got his image on many things from lighters to you name it. So uh, still quite famous. Uh, Number 10. Now we're in the top 10 here. This one I did not know would have made the list. Uh, $21 million was Luther Vandross. Yeah. And uh, basically, uh, yeah, the R&B legend. He joined the ranks this year, primary because of a, a deal with Primary Wave that closed earlier um, that year. And they, the estate pocketed $20 million for the stake of his publishing and master recordings. So yeah. this is a kind of a one-off. Um, you likely will not be making the list next year. Number nine, Jerry Goffin. Do you know Jerry Goffin, Scott? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, producer. Yeah, lyrics and co-wrote yeah. 50 plus top, t- top 40 hits yeah. with prolific uh, singer-songwriter Carole King during their marriage. Yeah. Um, also with the Shirley's, the Drifters, Bobby V, um, all sorts of songs. 
And uh, hey, again, if, Fo- if Foxcroft is listening, it's the Shirelles, not the Shirley's. Thank you. Thank you. Obviously not my era. So um, but again, primary way bought a stake in his catalog for 20 million dollars. So um, this is what the interesting thing this year is people are buying their books more or less. Now, here's one that uh, we've all heard and me being a golfer. Number eight, 27 million dollars on Arnold Palmer. Earned. Yeah. Hmm. And you think, OK, maybe it's his, um, you know, golf shirts, etc. You know, he's got his umbrella logo. But really, one of his best um, producing incomes is from that the combination of uh, lemonade and iced tea. Wow. And it's called the Arnold Palmer. And it's now it was signed with Arizona Beverages. So called the Arnold Palmer. And now they sold. He's making a 15% growth spurt when he sold it mixed with some alcohol to Molson Coors. Oh, cool. So, so doing quite well. Now, number seven, and this has been a, on for all the years that I've been on this show. And there was a movie recently made for this person. Scott, well, who would it be? Elvis. You got it. $30 million. And uh, yes, he is uh, between... All the different things he's he's still Graceland is is a massive um, yeah. uh, bringer of money every year. Does extremely well, and uh, so he's likely always be on this list. And he died at age forty two, going back to August sixteenth, nineteen seventy seven. Now here's one that I I've never seen on this list. Number six, Bing Crosby. Hmm. Again, he made thirty three, or his state made thirty three million dollars, and again. Because of uh, the holiday season, streamed the song White Christmas 87 million times. Wow. Okay. And so uh, they've, they've sold a stake of his master recordings of yeah. his 1,600 plus songs for $30 million. So he's, uh, he'll be one and done likely, but still quite famous. Uh, number five is Dr. Seuss. And we all know what he did. Mm-hmm. He made $35 million. His books are still doing quite well. Number four is Charles Schultz with Peanuts. And in there, again, um, pretty regular attendees in this. Number three. Now, this one I thought would have been number one. It is Michael Jackson, number three. Mm. And the reason is, is because, again, some of the ones that have sold their, their books, number two was Prince, made $120 million. But again... Their heirs sold their stakes. Yeah, of, yeah. of, of their estate and made yeah, a lot an of absolute uh, fortune. A lot are selling the rights to their music, right? And that's where that's where they're getting these one-off big ones. Now, this one was uh, a bit of a shocker, Roel Dahl, and he wrote the book Willy Wonka. Oh, uh, wow! And they he ended up making five hundred and thirteen million dollars, and it took the number one spot for the top. Highest paid dead celebrity. There you go. I'm so excited. I don't know how I'm going to make it till next year for your list. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that list will go around, but there'll be a couple of those ones that will be in there every year. All right. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905 972 seven four two zero well happy halloween gentlemen and we all know that don's giving out the big chocolate bars this uh, year <laughs> uh, happy, happy halloween everybody 
Thanks, everyone. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.